I, I just the thing I think that's the root for me, man, because I'm I'm looking at at creation, how we are created, what God said is not good in the garden. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm looking at just name name your favorite man's sin. You know, is it lording it over others? Is it looking at porn? Is it what whatever it is? Those are isolation driven. Those by their nature isolate you away from other relationships. Now the, the lie of the enemy is you think you're getting one. You you think you think you're important to people. You think you're approved of because you have money. Or because you have the title. Or you think big one for us guys, respect. You think you're respected because of the car you drive or the house you live in. So that's a lie. You think you're loved because there's someone on the screen. Those are isolating actions. This is the Define Dad podcast, show number 16, coming to you today from the great state of Texas. My name is Andrew Sullivan. Thank you so much for making this show part of your day. Defiant is defined in the dictionary as showing a disposition to challenge, resist, or fight. And this podcast equips fathers to fight for themselves and their families using the truth of the gospel. When I was in college back at TCU, uh, I didn't really think that I would struggle to find friends in my first days on campus, but I wasn't sure exactly who my friends would be. Um, I was super fortunate, though, to find a great group of guys uh, from a Greek organization, a fraternity called Brothers Under Christ. My years of the Bucks uh, were significantly impactful on my spiritual life during and after college, and several of those fraternity brothers have become lifelong friends uh, and even guests on this podcast. Uh, in today's episode, I'm hanging out with one of the men who faithfully served and uh, now serves again, actually, on the National Board of Directors for the fraternity. His name is Jared Musgrove. Jared is one of the co-authors of a new book published by Lifeway called A Short Guide to Groups, The Art of Leading Community. Jared is an inspirational figure to me uh, for many reasons. Uh, in addition to being a faithful husband and father, uh, he's served at a number of churches and roles where he has shepherded and led men of all ages. And uh, honestly, when you're wanting to have someone on your podcast who knows what the modern man is like and the biblical truths that they need to hear, Jared is well qualified for the task, and even better, he does it with this gentle and approachable personality that you're going to love. Uh, I'm positive you're going to reach the end of this discussion today feeling very encouraged. And with that in mind, let's jump right in. Jared, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so okay. much. Oh, for, are we on? Yeah, we're rolling. Okay, sorry. We're rolling. I always do just oh. a... I don't even tell people when we're starting because it's so much more natural. <laughs> so, welcome. Cut all that about my wife's dream home. Oh, yeah. Well, no, we're good, man. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the welcome to the garage office here. It's um, fantastic. Super thankful that you made... Uh, you made some time to be with me today. Um, let me get us started by asking uh, what I ask everybody. I want to know your story. You want to know where you grew up and how you came to know mm. the Lord and what you do yep. now. Yep. Um, Oklahoma, born and bred. Uh, grew up and uh, grew up in a in a largely Christian family. And I just, I never remember a time where the Lord was not uh, ultimate reality. And I remember when I was, when I was eight years old, I, I was kind of interested in what was going on in church. I remember my my mom and dad um, kind of sharing with me like the the super simple plan of salvation, which was basically it's like, hey, um, you you can ask Jesus to be your friend. Mm -hmm. um, you don't spend 
eternity with God. Otherwise, and I remember when I was eight years old, pausing a DuckTales video game on the original NES because I felt like I just needed to talk to God. Wow. Yeah, that little Jared Musgrove. That's incredible. Um, You know, at my best, man, I'm still that kid. Like Mm -hmm. I still aspire to be that kid. Um, But I remember pausing that and just going like, God, like I don't, I just don't know. It was literally one of those where you're thinking like, I'm looking back with my theology and Bible now, and I'm going like, man, the spirit was intervening for me. Mm. Because I was like, I want to talk to God. I just don't know how. Mm. And I kind of wrestled for about two weeks or so with that. And then uh, one night, I'm still eight, um, I was playing with uh, like my my Superman and Batman action figures Mm -hmm. in my parents' room. They were somewhere else in the house. It was after dinner. The TV was on in their room. And I'm like halfway under their big king bed. I think it was probably a water bed at that time. And um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it makes a great bat cave. Underneath. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I, I start tuning into what the guy is saying on TV. And he starts saying things I'd heard in church. Mm-hmm. He starts saying things that I'd heard my parents say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he is saying like, hey, you, you can have a friendship with Jesus. Um, you can pray that right now. And he he led a sinner's prayer mm. and dropped Batman and Superman, prayed to God, and wow. that that's when I met the Lord Jesus. Wow. It's like I I I some I kind of crawled out from under the bed. Um man, I just remember him being there. Really? Um and I think providentially my my mom walked in at that time, saw me on the floor in tears, mm. looks at the TV, sees Billy Graham. I guess they're running like an old, you yeah. know. I love it. In God's providence, they're it's a rerun. Yeah. Um, and she's like, "Oh, okay, this is what's happening." Mm. I mean, that that's where life began for me. Mm. I mean, at my best, I'm still that eight year old boy mm. who I just want to sit with Jesus, mm. like that. That's everything else is just kind of piled on top of that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's really that's really who I am with Him. Wow. Um, and who who I still aspire to be. Yeah. So that, that's when life began. Um, went through school, grew up in Oklahoma, um, smaller, smaller towns, smaller schools, which let me do everything. Mm-hmm. So I got to be, you know, I could play football, run track, be in student council and do show choir. <laughs> I mean, like I, I could just do it all. Do it all. Yeah. And, uh, it was really fun. Cause I was, I was super interested in all of those things. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, about junior high, people start start peeling off, and I remember having these moments uh, in the hallways, like between classes, where people just talk about kind of what they're getting into, mm-hmm. and I remember having moments with the Lord going, oh gosh, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to start making decisions. Mm. You know, it's like there, there's a there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. Mm. I had a lot of those moments in junior high and high school. Interesting. And I, it, it's okay. so funny. I, I tell my friends all the time in small groups I'm You're in. You're speaking of spiritual, spiritually speaking. I am. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I, I just remember looking back, there were so many things that, that I think I, I could have peeled off and gotten into that were not godly. Mm-hmm. And even a few of them, you know, David talk, talks about, you know, it's like I laid on my bed and plotted evil. Mm. Um, it's like, man, I, I probably had some of those nights where I was like, yeah, yeah, I kind of like to get into that. Yeah. And I, I just, I could feel kind of God's shepherd staff mm. um, during some of those days. He just wouldn't let me have it. 
just wouldn't let me get into it for, for whatever reason. Um, there were probably times I, I feared my parents a little more than God. Um, yeah. Here's what's great. My dad was the head football coach. So, I mean, he he knows who everybody is, <laughs> yeah. and he knows what everybody's into, and it's just so, okay. So uh, I had a good placement of my parents there, I think providential, mm-hmm. um, but then I think I had a developing fear mm-hmm. of God. And I and I mean that not just because I'm afraid he's going to hit me with a lightning bolt, mm-hmm. because I actually I fear him because I love him. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's got a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, so all through that time, though, what I felt like I was lacking was friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember, maybe not, again, this is kind of the spirit interceding, giving you those words to pray. But I remember times in junior high and high school, it's like I had guys like, you know, I was on teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have anyone who I felt like, you know, was running with the Lord. Mm. And I would start trying to read my Bible a little bit during that time. Didn't really have a plan on it or anything like that. Um, couldn't tell you how the grand story of Scripture fit together. I was just seeing examples in the Bible of these people who are running after God together. Um, you know, the Pauls and Barnabases, the Davids and Jonathans, and I'm like, Lord, like, where, where is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to college. Hmm. And... I tried to get involved in everything like I did in high school. You you can't do that yeah, at a major as a major state school. I went yeah. to the University of Oklahoma. And in my in my first week in class, my roommate who I knew through knew in college was really intent on joining a fraternity. Okay. Um, that just wasn't my scene. That was not even in a consideration in my mind. Right. Yeah. And he busts into our room. This is like the first week, and he goes, because he was really worried about it. He was worried. He wanted to join a frat. But he also knew, and he was a believer, and he was like, man, I just, I know it's easy to get pulled off of that, but I really want that. I want the social aspects. I want the fraternal aspects. Ugh. Yeah. But he busts into our room, and he's so excited, man. Um, he goes, dude, I just found out there, there's this Christian fraternity. It just started on campus. It's called, it's called uh, Beta Upsilon Chi Bucks, stands for Brothers Under Christ. I mean, he's just, he's just talking real fast like this. <laughs> and uh, I'm going, oh, oh, okay, okay. And he's just like, but, but here's the thing, man. They're cool. Like they're involved on campus. They won homecoming <laughs> last year. Um, they're just starting up and they've got these things. They're called cell groups. And it's where like four or five guys uh, get together in a group outside of the chapter meeting every week. And like they pray for each other and they do life together. And I, and that was a moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally was like, stop right there. Where's this meeting? I want to get in on this. Yeah. Talk about being just surprised by God. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. in many ways, I, I still live in that moment mm-hmm. because I've done small group ministry for almost 20 years since that time. Mm. But that's the thing that, that attracted me to Beta Upsilon Chi as a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it Bucks for short. Yeah. And that first week at OU, that was a surprise. I thought I was going to do all this other stuff. And this fraternity became the thing that captured my heart. Mm. Um, and man, you talk about God just answering prayers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was praying for like one friend or like one other brother to run alongside. And I got 150 of them for four years. Yeah, big chapter. Um, yeah. It's a huge chapter. It yeah. was it was kind of a it was kind of an inflection point for us nationally. It was the first chapter outside the state of Texas, and outside of that one, like I, just leadership wise, we got to help start. Uh, several chapters, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Oklahoma State, and just on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so fun to be at the at the flashpoint of that. Mm-hmm. But man, the gift of God was that he just gave me men and and brothers and, and, and the muscle memory 
to be able to to have friendships with other men and to invest in that way. Hmm. Um, it was really his gift to me. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a lot of why I do what I do now. Yeah. Is um, those were pivotal moments for me. Yeah. And I'm still kind of living in them. Yeah. And I just want to give other guys that gift. That's awesome. So yeah. for people who don't know you, what do you do now? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. It's like, man, what does this guy do? Man, I, I get to do, I, I tell people this, I'm at a point in life where I get to do everything I love doing. Um, so I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor in local churches, um, mostly really big local churches. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we were talking earlier, and I said I'm, I'm kind of a small-town-minded pastor who has just been in mega churches. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm in a large church right now called the Well Community Church. It's in Argyle, Texas. And uh, I'm the spiritual formation and uh, groups pastor there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also serve as the director of development and leadership for Beta Upsilon Chi nationally. Mm-hmm. So I oversee all of our fundraising, Mm-hmm. relations, alumni, and also um, our national leadership programs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's pretty fun. And then I write on the side and do some church consulting. Well, I saw you recently, yeah. recently released a book. I did, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. with, with one of my closest friends in the world. That's um, awesome. So the the book is A Short Guide to Groups, uh, The Art of Leading Community. Right. And it's something that came out of uh, mine and uh, Justin Elfrost, my my co-author's hearts. Hmm. Um, we, we have been close friends for sometime now and we both love what god does when he gets a, a group of his people together in a smaller group absolutely um so it was fun to get to write together on that yeah, yeah. that's really cool i'm really excited to talk to you about all these things today because um one of the big themes in the last year at our church uh, at city church in fort worth has been um uh, transformative christian friendships mm. you know uh, it's kind of like the basis for our small groups and i really think the word transformative is so important there, you know, because we're not just, I mean, it's good to hang out. Community is good, yep. you know, but if your friendship is not based in the common bond of Christ, you know, and the truth of the gospel, uh, what are you really spurring your, what are you spurring each other on towards? That's right. Um, I want to ask you a question that I just started asking a lot of my uh, podcast guests recently, and I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. Was it the duck question? No, we'll okay. get to that okay. one. Yeah, we'll get to that one. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so be be prepared for that one. But yeah, I want to ask you, um, what is the gospel, and mm. what has it saved you from? Golly. Who would you be without the gospel in your life? Man, my wife and I have a joke, but it's really serious. Um, I would, I think we would be some sort of weird version of Fraser Crane and Lilith. Uh, <laughs> Some of you younger listeners may not know who that character is, although the the reboot's coming apparently. Yeah, I like um, Frazier. Man, I, I I think I would just be like Frazier, constantly chasing uh, the idea of love, of being loved, of needing people's approval, mm. of constantly feeling this lack of something in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I forget the gospel, that's who I am. Mm. I notice what's not there. I don't have gratitude. Um, I can become incredibly uh, self-focused mm-hmm. um, and even just feel and convince myself that I'm unloved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the gift, the gift of God to me is that he really loves me. Like that, that's the gospel. God, in his, in his love and his power, saw through time and said, Jared's going to be mine. I'm going to make him my son, not not because he's great at anything or because, oh, I think I can use him. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I love him. Mm-hmm. I just love him. And you see that through the, through the Bible 
with Israel. I mean, why does God choose Abraham, choose Israel? It says, because he loved them. Hmm. That's it. Hmm. That's the beginning of the gospel. Hmm. Um, it starts with God's love, his power, and then just my realization to realize that I'm nothing without him. Yeah, I'm just not. Um, there's there's not a fulfilled life apart from God and the gospel. So what is the gospel? Kind of, you know, you want the, the sentence yeah, or mean, so. I mean, the gospel is the story God's been telling since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about him intervene, creating history, intervening when sinful human beings in Adam and Eve, real historical people, mm-hmm. rebelled against him and said, no, I think we know better. And that's still the problem we get into. Mm. We, we still buy into the original lie yeah. from the serpent, did God really say? Yeah. And so when you're, when, you're, when you're forgetting the gospel, you're saying, well, did God really say? Mm. Did God really say he'll provide for me? Mm. Did God really say that this is, this is the way that leads to everlasting life? Did God really, you know, this, that, or the other yeah. thing? Um, and man, that that's what will get you off. But yeah, but the beauty of the gospel is remembering that yeah, God did really say, He really did say yeah. Um, and I know that I've got a hope in Him, and it just puts everything else into perspective. Yeah. Um, so what would you say then to this like this cultural idea you see throughout Christianity, uh, not in the Bible, but like mm-hmm. in Christian culture? You know, oh well, the Bible is just telling us to be a good person. You know, what would you say? Yeah. Uh, you can't be a good person without, without being a changed person, yeah. a transformed person. I mean, when you, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it is a traumatic experience. Yeah. It is truly death to life. This isn't, this isn't like, oh, you know, I made a good philosophical decision mm-hmm. for my life. You know, like you chose a good diet or, you mm-hmm. know, you read the right book or something like that. Yeah. It's not that at all. It's that your, your entire soul and eternal destiny changes. Yeah. You, you are a new creation, is what the New Testament calls you. The, the old has gone, and the new has come. Um, you, you cannot be a quote-unquote good person apart from that, because even your, your righteous works will be, as Paul calls them, rubbish. Um, or if you read the original Greek, it's a little more colorful. Really? Interesting. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah. Okay. This is a family podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> is it that definitely? Really? I, it's, I mean, he, he is saying it is, it is junk. Yeah. Um, if you think you're doing good deeds apart from God. Wow. And so that's what's amazing about about following him is that uh, no matter how the circumstances look, there's this deep, irrepressible joy and even relationship with God. It's like he's not going to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Even at the times I have felt most alone, I felt like I had him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of his great gifts to me Absolutely. is just relationship with him. Absolutely. Um, and then out of that... He does put you where he wants you working, and those are good works. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times in life, you, you just lean into things that God's already putting in front of you. Sometimes you don't have to find them. You don't have to go on a vision quest. You don't have to you know, backpack across Europe. Um, you just have to say, hey, Lord, where do you want me today? Hmm. And then look at where you are. You're never anywhere by happenstance. It's always part of his plan. Mm-hmm. Even if you feel like your plans are falling apart, you're probably right in the middle of God's plan. Um, I didn't plan to join that fraternity in college. Mm-hmm. It's become the thing that mm-hmm. has just kind of been a trajectory yeah. for my life and ministry. Yeah. And uh, that's just one example. So when you're, when you're walking with him, there's so many discoveries, so many adventures to have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think 
A, I love your answer. I want to say that first of all, but B, I want to say a lot of people, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, attend church who don't know the Lord. You know, there's a lot of cultural yeah. Christians. There's a lot of very baby Christians who mm-hmm. maybe have faith, say it's salvific faith, let's say, but like their, their sanctification or whatever, for whatever, I'm, I'm struggling for the right word here, but like yeah. their, their, their faith yeah. is still small, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's this wrong mindset that people might have where they, they think the gospel is like a vitamin, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, yeah. or reading the Bible is like a vitamin, and it's going to inject this positivity into my life. You see right. this in a lot of like yep. churches that don't preach the gospel. You mm-hmm. know, you see this like a, a fun, positive message. You know, an empowering message. Like, no, the gospel isn't just an empowering tool. It can, it is empowering, yeah. but it's not just a vitamin or a, a yeah. turbo boost onto your life. It is a complete flipping of the script, a complete mm-hmm. upheaval. It mm-hmm. is a complete uprooting. Yeah, it is a complete transformation of who you were. And who you were destined to be, and now who you are. Yes. Present tense are, you know. Um, and so, like, I, I think of so many people that I know, I've known, you know, like, who say they love God, and I think they do, but they maybe have a wrong view of the gospel in the sense that they think this is a great boost to me accomplishing my own goals. This is a great boost to me accomplishing my plans that I've laid out for my life Mm -hmm. rather than a complete surrender to whatever God has predestined for them. Yeah. You know, and a complete yielding to that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I really, really liked your answer. It's funny. The, um, my time in Bucks, I was at at TCU at Bucks from fall of 05 was my first semester there. Mm. Graduated in, you know, on, on, in four years, the spring of 09. And, uh, like you, fraternity experience was not really on my radar. Um, I've always been outgoing though, you know? And yeah. so like, I kind of just trusted like wherever I went at TCU coming in, like I was going to make friends, like I was just going to find the right group of, by, by God's grace, you know, I came to faith in seventh grade and uh, I felt like my faith was fairly strong for a high schooler, you know, mm-hmm. at the time. And mm-hmm. like, I wanted to be faithful and find friends who are going to build me up in my faith and in my walk with the Lord, you know, not people who are going to detract from that. And uh, went through frog camp, which is like what some TCU encourages like all the freshmen to do. Uh, it's not required, but it's a good thing that they do, yeah. and I love it. And you get plugged in with all sorts of really cool people from all sorts of different walks of life. And uh, went to a couple rush events and met some really nice people. Not Bucks rush events, like to other fraternity rush events, and met some really nice people. But it just didn't quite feel right, you know. I met I met yeah. guys who even now I know through the test of time like were godly guys, like mm. great dudes. Would have been fine by God's again, by his grace, by his providence, I probably would have been fine having going that way. But coming across Bucks, actually the previous semester at the end of my senior year of high school, I was invited to Island Party yeah, at TCU. And I can't remember who the, there's like a concert and, you know, and grilling out and all sorts of guys and girls from campus hanging out all afternoon on campus. And I got invited to come to that. And I came up to tour TCU that same weekend and do that. And you know, knew what Bucks was, but I just had to test and see what all the groups were like, you know. And I just decided that my views and my vision for what what was in my heart, like that was, was most closely aligned with what Bucks was offering. Mm. Um, and, in, and my experience with that was so much richer than just a transactional kind of thing, you know. Um, it, really, it really did impact my life and my faith in such a strong way. Um, I think, first of all, to have a community of brothers, you know, um, like you say, a community of brothers, like-minded individuals who uh, would pray for one another, 
you know, who would care for one another, who would hang out with one another and try to steer each other on. As sinful and as fallible and as weak as we were, we were spurring each other on towards towards the scriptures yeah. and towards right actions, you yeah. know. Um, Praise God. You know, mm. uh, it wasn't perfect. You know, I was very sinful in college. All of us were. Um, there were highs and there were lows and there were brothers who'd fallen away and mm-hmm. brothers who came in later and brothers since then who've fallen away and, you know, some truly high highs since then and truly low lows since then. But that's life, you know, but I'm thankful for those years that were so formative to me. And one of the things I'm really thankful for is it gave me as a musician, as a person to become a musician. Like I was always musical in high school Hmm. and before, like I could sing and stuff and I always loved music and was in the band and stuff in junior high, but like I didn't really start playing guitar until high school and like really didn't even get the opportunity to lead worship until I came to Bucks. Um, Wow. And so like those four years of leading worship almost every week for chapter meeting, like it, um, it's really formative for me as, as, as a, as a musician, as a worship leader and learning the difference between being a performer and a leader of corporate worship, you know, mm-hmm. those are two very different things. Um, and, and, and so many ways. And I think who I am now, uh, has been heavily, heavily influenced by those, the sweet memories that I have from Bucks, from Bucks mm. days, you know. So, man, uh, let me say God. thank you for the efforts that you made back then to make yeah. sure that the organization was well run and that it was centered on the gospel. Yeah, you know, um, and and not just, yeah, and not and not wrong things, yeah. you know, um, yeah. not not lesser things. Let's say mm. so. Man, I've got I've got to believe that the Lord, both both scripturally and experientially really likes and delights in what we do. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm looking at our founding passage where where uh, the very words of God, David's scripting this song of these brothers traveling together to worship God, and he's going, what's good? What does God delight in? Look at this, brotherhood and unity. Yeah. It's like it's it's anointed. It refreshes entire regions. Yeah. It's like God really likes that. that. That's our purpose. That's the founding purpose, but also... Uh, like you said, other people have tried that. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not the first people to try something oh, like no, there's that. There's any number of social clubs through the That's years. It. That's it. That's it. In fact, almost every every college fraternity that you found has some sort of Christian. In fact, the very first ones were created for pastors <laughs> because back then, uh, academics, educators said, okay, these, these pastors are coming here. Places like Princeton um, or Yale, these pastors are coming here to get educated. They're going to need brothers. They're going to need friends. Uh, to get when they get out there and it gets hard, uh, so we're going to create these things, yeah. And they they've all veered off, and it could have gone that way, man. But by God's grace, for almost forty years, um, he, he's kept this thing going. He's growing it, yeah. And and like you said, um, so we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about brothers to go through life with. You know, Jesus says of the gospel that the road is narrow and the way is hard. Yeah, that leads to eternal life. Yeah. Um, but part of his inheritance for us right now are fellow brothers and sisters that he gives us hmm. um, as fellow travelers on the journey. Like if Bucks can introduce some fellow brothers and some travelers together, hmm. man, we help each other out. We help each other through that that narrow road and some of those times that are really hard. Um, I've been uh, like just biblically, I've been looking in several places right now. Uh, one of them is in Luke. Th- this passage is always confused me. I don't know if this is on the agenda, but, no, sorry, but go here on. we go. I'm not going to stop uh, it. Yeah. But he's, he's, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of heaven comes through violence, and violent men take a hold of it. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
does that mean? Does that mean? Yeah. For years. Sounds like the Crusades. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It's like, man, the, the, this sounds like kind of the the Messiah that people thought Jesus was. Like he's going to be this conquering, right. you know, hero or something like that. That's not who he came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these hard sayings of Jesus. That's one of them. Yeah. Um, but but he's talking about the kingdom of heaven comes through that violence, like like we were talking earlier, which is that that traumatic transformation. It's like dying to an old way of life is hard. You know, I, I was eight years old. You were in seventh grade. We got we got brothers who came came to faith way later in life. Oh yeah. And there there's a lot We've of several on this just, podcast. Yes, there's yeah. just barnacles that got to be scraped off. That's violent, man. Yeah. That's that hurts. Every time you and I say no to temptation, like sometimes that stuff's like ripping off your own arm, mm-hmm. depending on how much you've given yourself over to it, how strong it can be. Yeah. Um, it is a denial. That's what he's talking about there. Hmm. And that's tough. In fact, I would say you can't do it on your own. Yeah. You can't do it on your own. You need, you need the spirit inside of you. God gives you the counselor and the spirit. He gives you the scriptures in front of you and he gives you the saints yeah. around you. Yeah. Um, that's the that's my life's work. Yeah. I want to highlight that in people's lives. I love that. I love that. Well, that leads perfectly into the question that I was asking you. You pretty much answered it already, but I was going to ask, like, do men really need other men in their lives? You know, there's such this temptation. Uh, t- there's this romanticized view of men as being lone wolves. You know, we're we're an island. We're strong. We're we're all we need. You know, we're like we're at peace. You mm-hmm. know, or something like making weird hand motions. But you know what I'm saying? Like. The answer, obviously, but what yeah. you just said is no. Like we can't be that. Yep. We we cannot carry the load alone. Yep. yep. You know, and and beyond that, we can't expect our spouses to carry the load either. That's right. That's right. I mean, the, you know, the thing that wasn't good pre-fall. This is Genesis two stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this this isn't even like sins already entered in. Yeah. God looked at the entire creation and He said one thing wasn't good. He mm-hmm. said it's not good for the man to be alone. Never thought about that. I mean, that, yeah. everything was perfect, right? No, yeah. God said some, it's not right yet. It's not right until there's community. Mm. And yeah. that, would, that would continue on. God never <clears throat> works through a saint by himself. Yeah. It's always a community. Yeah. You've, got, you've got an entire, this is another place I've been in the Bible recently. Um, you've got the Psalms of Ascent, mm-hmm. which is this community traveling up to Jerusalem to go worship God, mm-hmm. and it's a community project. Your walk with God is a community project. Hmm. Um, he did not intend you to be alone. Hmm. It's, in your very, it's in your very makeup. You're made in the image of your Creator. Well, your Creator is one God and three persons, mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, perfect community. Mm-hmm. We're meant to image that with one another. Hmm. Um, so you're, you're just your own design is you are made for it. I love that. Um, theologically, your DNA. I mean, th- just look at even the health benefits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, if you don't even want to go Bible, mm-hmm. let's just go look at what it looks like for someone to be in solitude, mm-hmm. um, completely cut off from people. I'm not talking like spiritual solitude where you're seeking the Lord. I'm talking about loneliness. Yeah. In fact, man, one of the things that led me back um, to Bucks was a lot of my church work hmm. over the last few decades. Okay, and can I just tell you that the thing that it still breaks my heart because I sat with I sat with this story again just last week. Okay, in fact, it was last Friday morning. It was a week ago. Okay, it's the number of men who are in their thirties and forties who would sit in my office and they're facing whatever it is, mm-hmm. either sin that they've allowed to go on too long in their life, sin that's being done to them, or mm-hmm. just the effects of living in a sinful world. They got a diagnosis they didn't want. Mm-hmm. Tragedy happened. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that still breaks my heart, and the reason I do what I do, is because they'll sit there and go, I don't have a close friend that I can share this with. Mm. 
Yeah. Like I don't know what that means. Yeah. These are married men. Yeah. They're 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 not throwing their wife out in this. Mm-mm. It's like in fact some of them are really they're great dads, mm-hmm. amazing husbands and fathers. Yeah, and they have a healthy family like, life. Oh, ones I would look up to. Yeah. But they'll sit there, and this is the guy I'm sitting with last week. He reached out to me because he saw a post we made about Bucks, and he said, that stirred my heart, man. How do I get involved in something like Bucks? Yeah. It's like, I'd love to meet with you because that's my job, development. Yeah, um, yeah. But we're meeting, and we're not, we're not talking about money. Yeah. We're, talking, we're talking about the fact that that post on loneliness mm-hmm. made him realize, I don't have any close friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I would call. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's one sociologist that— uh, I forget his name right now, but he wrote a book uh, called The Buddy System. Mm-hmm. And he talks about four different types of male friendship. Um, pop quiz, let's see if I can get them right. <laughs> there are must friends, mm-hmm. which is like, man, these are the guys, anything happens, first first yeah. ones I'm calling. You know, they're, the they're yeah, they're probably in your favorites on your you know your mm-hmm. text thread. Yeah. Um, they're probably never far down. Yeah. So those are your must friends. Yeah. Um, you've got some rust friends as well. Those are the guys like, hey, maybe you came up together in high school, went different ways, but if you got back together, it'd be pretty easy. Like They're kind of like rust. They just stick on you yeah. for life. You, for better or for worse, yeah. you guys are just probably going to be lifelong friends. It yeah. may go years in between. Mm-hmm. Um, there are trust friends, and those are those are probably what a lot of guys would would I hope have, and it's a step. Mm-hmm. These are just guys that they're kind of in my periphery. Maybe they're in my small group at church. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just kind of around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I would trust them. That, in fact, I might even reveal some things to them. I might be vulnerable with them, maybe with a maybe. little more time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then this you, is what you I th- trust them. That's it. Yeah. I would trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just haven't had the years together. Yeah. Or or uh, maybe the the experiences. Yeah, the together. seasoning. Yeah. And then that fourth category would be uh, the just friends, mm. which is these are kind of your acquaintances. It's like, hey, we we say hey on Sunday morning, or we do some small talk at small group. Or yeah. whatever you know and each other, yeah, and but. and you know what? There's a place for that, mm-hmm. um, but it's those it's those must and rust friends, even just some great trust friends mm-hmm. that I'm finding most guys just don't don't even have the muscle memory for mm. to make. Mm-hmm. And man, I like it makes me tear up even now because I'll sit with a guy like I did last week, and for the last eighteen years, I'm like I don't know what to do. Yeah. I can't just go, I'll be your best friend. Well, that was, that, yeah, yeah, that's impractical. I can't be. Yeah. It's disingenuous. It's impractical. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to go create a church program. <laughs> yeah. um, we're like, we're going to be the friends of the friendless over yeah. here. It, it's not that. And a lot of times men's ministry could be a place for that. It's just hard because guys have made decisions by the time. Mm-hmm. They're our age. Mm-hmm. Um, they've made decisions on how they're going to live their life. And, and let's yeah. be honest, not bad things. Yeah. Um, most of the guys at church don't, don't not have friends because they're cooking up meth in the back in the backyard. <laughs> they're coaching sports teams. Yeah, they're doing good things. They're being faithful husbands. Man, they're they killing it at work. They're they're probably killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to take care of the family, do all the things that, that yes, you are responsible for. Mm. Um, but in that, a lot of us have let friendships go by the wayside. Mm. And so, part of my mission is like I don't know if I can get that into a thirty-seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of retroactive work that has to happen. Yeah, um, and some minor miracles, maybe. You ever seen that meme? Mm-hmm. Uh, it it shows it's like a. It says one of Jesus' greatest miracles. Okay, was having twelve close friends in his thirties. Yes, I did see that actually. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, we laugh because it's true. It's true. Yeah, but what what we're trying to do with Beta Oops Long Kai mm-hmm. is I'm going, man. I may not be able to help you once you've made it to the barrel. 
not nearly as much as I can help you when you're still on the tree hmm. in college. Hmm. You're you're open to it. Mm-hmm. And you have hey, a lot listen, more time. Yeah, listen up, college kids. You got a lot of free time. You don't think you do. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Yeah, you think so, you're stressed and busy in college. Yes. Uh huh. I, I remember all of us just thought we were so busy and so important. No, you've got time, and this is one of the only times in life where a majority of the people who are potential friends live within a two mile radius of you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. take advantage of that, and that's what we try to lead in bucks is to give guys that muscle memory so that they can go raise their families this way. I want my boys to have these friendships. These things I pray for them. Yeah. I prayed for them when they were born. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember sitting here, not far from here, Harris Southwest Hospital. Yeah, right here. Where Jordan, yeah, where yeah. Jordan Musgrove is born 13 years ago, <laughs> and I've got a piece of paper where I was just writing a prayer for him, and one of them was like, "God, would you just give him good brothers to go through life with?" Yeah. Um, so as much as we can give that gift to guys younger and younger, mm-hmm. they can take that with them into their families. They can take that with them into their churches. Yeah. And they can take that, they can take that into their places of leadership, wherever, whatever organization they're, they're working in. Yeah. Um, that's the dream. That's yeah. why I do what I do. How would you, how would you um, more practically speaking, how would, you, how would you encourage someone who says, you know, they're 35 years old and like they want... Yep. better friendships. Maybe they have some rust friends and maybe they're feeling mm-hmm. lonely. What's the next step for them? Yeah. Well, man, uh, friends are going to come to you while you're sitting on your couch, um, streaming yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, you, you do have to get out there. I would say before that even, it, and th- this is, this is not trite. I mean, this is like, pray your guts out for them. Hmm. God delights to give good gifts to his sons. Hmm. A really good gift of God as friends. Amen. Ask God for it. Amen. Yeah. It's not all on you. It's like, listen, most of, and then also just practically just as much as prayer is put yourself out there. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's funny just, you know, contextually, um, where I'm at, you would, you was like, Hey man, let's grab some coffee sometime. Da, 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 da. Uh, my, my brother-in-law would go like, why are you asking me to coffee? Yeah. You know, he's, he's working with kind of more blue collar guys up in like rural Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so contextually, whatever it is, but just, it's okay to say to another man, Hey, let's hang out. Yeah. Um, a lot, sometimes that's doing something yeah. next to each other. Great friendships are built that way. Yeah. Um, it's not always just looking and talking like we're doing right now, Yeah. but man, put yourself out there. Um, pray and make a pathway. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that's my approach to, to friendship, to fundraising, to <laughs> church. Yeah. It's like, Pray and step onto the path. Yeah. See what the Lord has for you. Um, and, and and trust those seasons where you're... I see this a lot in people with small groups. Man, you compare everything to the friendships or group that you had before. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord for that time. Bring the gifts with you, but be open to what He's doing in a new season. Mm. We're all on assignment. You're still on assignment. It's not always just about you. Yeah. Have you ever thought about... So, I mean, having good friends means being a good friend. Yeah, absolutely. So who needs a friend? <laughs> that might be you. God might want to use you in someone else's life. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, some of the closest friendships I have began as a mentoring relationship mm-hmm. or a discipleship relationship. And I found out, oh, I've got as much to learn <laughs> as this yeah. person who I was apparently supposed to be pour, pouring into. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's it, guys. Pray and step onto the pathway. Yeah. Don't give up. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I, I think of one of my, I think my best friend really in my life, who's a Christian man who I'm so grateful for because he calls me once, if not twice a day. 
And he does that to so many people, not just me. He does that to a number of people. Must like, be a must friend. Dude, yeah, yeah he, re- he is. He really is. You That's know, good. when our when our uh, house, you know, in the, the big ice storm, whatever it was, two, three years ago, mm. you know, uh, <clears throat> we were without power for like three or four days. And, uh, you know, at the end of day two, we were still sitting there without power in our house. And it got to the point where like our youngest, who's now two, uh, she was less than one, so she was still in baby clothes. So all of us inside were in our like snow clothes inside because it was, you know, it got down yeah. to like forty degrees inside our house. You know, we're seeing our breath indoors, and uh, you know, I ended up calling. He had power somehow. You know, his neighborhood was spared from the outages, and I called, and he was so gracious to like. He was my most friend in that moment. I said, "Hey, yeah. I know you got an extra bedroom. Can we please crash with you for the night? It's just I can't let my kids sleep in this room. It's right. thirty-eight degrees." You know, yeah, and he said, "Yeah, come on over." You know, and yeah. I'm thankful for for his friendship and for the friendship of so many men. Um, and I, I mourn that so many men don't have friendships like that. Oh, it's you epidemic. know, and I, yeah. I, 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 you have the evidence of that because you've sat with so many men. I just always had this hunch. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been to a number of like entrepreneurial conferences through the years. I've been to some music related stuff through the years. And I always kind of had this hunch that part of the reason they're so successful is because you're isolated from the outside world and you have an opportunity if for only a few days to build community with like-minded people, you know? Um, and that's kind of actually where I got the inspiration for this podcast. I was at one of these conferences back in February and I knew like for a long time I wanted to get into podcasting because I had like a radio background and I was comfortable with recording stuff as a musician. And I just didn't know what topic, you know, mm. what to speak about or what to do. And I, I came home from that conference thinking like, I think that most men my age, like say 30 to 60, 25 to 60 are pretty lonely, you know? Um, and this is why so many men struggle with the sins they struggle with this is yep. why divorce is so high. This is why so many, um, you know, so many things we see in our American culture have gone so far o- away from what the Bible calls us to be like and live like. Um, and it's because we're chasing after lesser things. But on top of that, we don't have a good friend who is rooted in the gospel as well to spur us on towards the right things. You know, and so, like, I remember telling my wife, I said, you know, I love so many people at our church. and at, But, like, there are days where I just feel lonely. You know, like, I feel like... Um, not so much that like the people at my church are not com- are not like minded, you know, and they're not worthy people to be friends with. But like, I just don't have any super rich friendships with any of them. Mm-hmm. And and by His grace, like that has changed. Like I feel a lot closer to a lot of guys. It can take some time in the la- but it, it, yeah, mm-hmm. in the last six months, like a lot of good has changed in my life in that regard. But <clears throat> I wanted to start this podcast because I wanted men like you and me who may be feeling that way to know mm-hmm. that they're not alone in this world. That's right. You know, they're not alone in their struggles. They're not alone in their feelings of uh, inadequacy. They're not alone in fighting sins that are common to men. They're not alone in um, trying to be a light in a dark world. Yeah. You That's know, right. uh, it, it's, it's a scary thing saying, like, I'm not going to go along with this new cultural norm. I'm not going to endorse the common party line. I'm not going to endorse this view. You know, I'm not going to say that this is right and this is right and everyone's going to hate me for it. And so like it's in those moments where you need a like-minded friend in through a transformative Christian relationship like to empower you to help encourage you on, yeah. you know, so you can share each other's highs and lows. No, that 
That is defiant, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It is defiant, you know. I, I think it is. Um, <laughs> thank mm, you for working that in. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, a little plug there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that seemed like the right word. Yeah, it did. Uh, you, you've had so much experience in leading men uh, of all sorts of ages. Um, other than loneliness, do you, mm. do you see other... Other, do you see a common thread in issues that they're facing and sins they're fighting and lies they're believing? Yeah. I mean, lo- loneliness really is the key, man. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to that creation identity. Mm-hmm. And again, if, if you, I, I think most of your listeners are going to are gonna go, yep, Bible, ultimate authority. Do, do, you, think, do you think it's a lack of opportunity or do you think it's maybe the evil one? saying to oh, them I think the enemy you can loves, do you can do this by yourself. Yes, the enemy loves to get men alone. Think about how our wolf works. Okay. You you isolate one from the pack and you can pick them off a lot easier. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Um the Lord himself in his humanity didn't go it alone. Yeah. He he chose other men. Yeah. to be in close proximity with him. Mhm. Well, and even you, within those twelve, he had he had three men with whom he he was incredibly transparent. He mm-hmm. invited them to his highest high, yeah. you know, um, Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. They saw who he really was. Not, the other twelve didn't get that. Yeah. Just those three, and then those are also the three that they got to go with him into the garden. Yeah, and see him at his lowest. Yeah, and then there was even one John, who was just especially loved by Jesus. Yeah, which is that's hard to even imagine. Yeah. But you want to talk about friendships. Yeah. I mean, even the Lord himself had those friendships. Yeah. Well, and you, and you see in the temptation of Christ. Yeah. He was alone. Yep. You know, I, yeah. I mean. I, I just but think, I think that's the root for me, man, because yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, at creation, how we are created. Mm-hmm. What God said is not good in the garden. It's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, just name, name your favorite man's sin. Mm-hmm. You know, is it lording it over others? Mm-hmm. Is it looking at porn? Mm-hmm. Is it what, whatever it is, those are isolation driven. Hmm. Those by their nature, isolate you away hmm. from other relationships. Yeah. Now the, the lie of the enemy is you think you're getting more. Interesting. You, you think, you think you're important to people. Mm-hmm. You think you're approved of because you have money mm-hmm. or because you have the title hmm. or you think, Big one for us guys, respect. Mm-hmm. You think you're respected because of the car you drive <laughs> or the yeah. house you live in. Yeah. So yeah. that's a lie. You think you're loved because there's someone on a screen. Mm-hmm. Those are isolating actions. Amen. So I really, and, and even the Surgeon General agreed with us this year. Okay. I mean, they, they did you see this? No, I didn't they, go on. They released a report just a few months ago the greatest epidemic facing American men is loneliness. Hmm. Whole like multi-page Surgeon wow. General report. Yeah, not just a tweet. There is, there yeah. is truly, headline, there is an epidemic of loneliness, particularly among men. Hmm. And even further among Christian men. It can I'm be. Sure. But I think that we've got yeah. the only hope of that. Because hmm. like, what, what else are we going get, to get together around? Football? <laughs> you know? I mean, motorcycles? I, maybe. Yeah. But even then, it's just so so surface level. Yeah. There's eternity in that. Eternity has been put into our hearts. Yeah. Well, and the gospel is is living, you know, and active. It's it's yeah. it permeates. What I mean to say is that it permeates all aspects of your daily life. Yeah. Like you can have great friendships with the guys that you play golf with, 
mm-hmm. but there's an extent to where the golf course ends. There's a, the golf right. course ends at the 18th That's green yeah. and maybe the clubhouse after, you know, but like my friendship mm. with the men in my church, you know, or my best friends who I'm my must friends from college who are, you know, Christian men, like it, it has permeated all aspects of my life, you know, whether I'm yes. on the golf course with them or That's I'm helping good. them move That's or he's good. helping me in a freeze or, mm. you know, my dad dies and they come four hours South to his funeral, like those kind of things, you know, um, yeah, I can't imagine living life without without my friends like too, that. Too many men do, and it's just uh, it it need not be. We can say with God, that's not good. Yeah, and I think their wives would say that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good transition to the next next shifting gears here. Uh, tell me about your marriage. When did you get married? Oh, yeah, uh, Jenny and I were married in June of two thousand eight, right here in Fort Worth. So okay. this is a this is a special town for yeah. us. Nice. Uh, we. Yeah. We met, dated, married, and had our first son here, uh, and he was three months old when we moved uh, just a little little north over to Flower Mound, yeah. where we've lived for the last, uh, what, 13 years. Okay. Um, but, man, I... So, th- this is fun. Oh, great. This will be recorded. Um, yeah, get it right. When I... When, so, again, eight years old was a big time for me. I not only met Jesus, I saw the Rocketeer. Okay. Remember that one? Yeah. Well, I'm, I get. I don't know. I think you said the Rocketeer, and I thought Rocket Man. No, no. Uh, the Rocketeer, 1992 Disney Disney movie. Okay, I, that's um, been forever since I've seen it. I've, yeah, I've, it refresh me. Disney Plus, friends. Okay. Um, okay. It really does hold up. Just showed it to the boys not long ago. They liked it. Huh? I, oh, I loved it. But I remember <laughs> seeing that in the theater, and uh, the 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 girlfriend in that movie of the Rocketeer, her name is Jenny, played by Jennifer Connelly. Huh, and like and that was the first time I remember noticing a girl. Okay. Thinking, <laughs> she is easy on the eyes. <laughs> Excuse me. Just yeah. be- beautiful brunette. Yeah. Um, great movie. Great adventure. Again, it still holds up. Go watch it. Okay. Because um, you, say, you say Jenny in movies, and I think of Forrest Gump. Jenny. Right. Well, I think <laughs> of Jenny from The Rocketeer. Okay. So I had always just kind of had this little this little prayer Maybe like I didn't mm-hmm. ever really voice it, but I was like, "Man, Lord, I'd, I'd love to marry a brunette named Jenny." <laughs> All right. Well, in 2006, um, I'm in my first semester at seminary here in Fort Worth, and I'm I'm doing the church search, mm-hmm. and uh, um, just it, it's just awkward. It doesn't matter how old you are, mm-hmm. which again, so college guys, when you get out. Um, and you're you're looking for churches in the new town where you move where you got a job, keep going. Mm-hmm. I'd been I'd been at it for months at this point, mm-hmm. visiting every church in town, going to the singles group, yeah. all of that. Um, and I was trying this one, and I'm thinking this is probably not it. Showed up to the singles group only to find out the singles were actually all on retreat, so it was like me and all of the uh, 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 older singles. <laughs> okay, if you read me, yeah. And uh, <laughs> in walks. Beautiful brunette. <laughs> and I notice her immediately. Yeah. And I think I notice her noticing me. Uh-oh. So I'm thinking, oh, I got I to gotta sit at her table. Well, I didn't get to sit at her table. I sat at a table with a bunch of middle-aged women who I think had been smoking before they came to Sunday school that morning. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Bless them. Yeah. That was a, one of the longest hours of my life. So I kept trying to steal glances of this, yeah. this beautiful woman sitting two tables across. I'm like, why did I not get at her table? Yeah. So I catch her. 
uh, afterward. And it turns out she's going to the late service and, oh, I'm going to the late service too. And uh, we put together that we both grew up in Oklahoma together, uh, but about an hour apart. Oh. Had never met. Wow. And, uh, man, I, I started being really interested then. I tracked her down on campus. Turns out she was a seminary student at the same time doing her master's. All right. And uh, asked her on a date at Barnes & Noble again, just a few blocks from where we're sitting right now. Yeah. Kind yeah. of fun to drive by that today. Yeah, I love that. And, man, I was pretty sure from the beginning. Wow. I was pretty sure from the beginning. We we had coffee. I invited her to go up to um, to ice at the Gaylord. You know, you mm-hmm. walk through all the big ice sculptures. I know, yeah. And, man, there was this, there was this wonderful moment. I'll never forget it where we walked through this room in this kind of this big lit nativity scene in ice. Mm-hmm. And I looked at, and instead of looking at the nativity scene, I just glanced over at her and there was such wonder on her face. Mm. Like it was, it was one of those beautiful things I've seen in my life. Mm. That's, That's when cool. I knew. That's so cool. That's when I knew. Yeah. Um, and man, she, she still has that wonder about her. Wow. Uh, she, she's maybe the smartest person I know. I mean, as I'm as I'm getting into my 40s and starting to forget things, she doesn't forget a thing, <laughs> which is helpful as a husband, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's got a mind like a steel trap. Um, super emotionally intelligent. Hmm. Uh, she she's the most insightful on children and human development that I know. Wow. I mean, I've I, I feel like I've got another a second master's degree. Just because I married her and I've wow. learned so much, but she, she's done a lot of roles, largely in children's and preschool ministry, um, and uh, particularly just with uh, education. Yeah, and I admire her for her mind. She's still just as beautiful, mm-hmm. um, even more beautiful than Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we are we celebrated 15 years this year. Congratulations! I, I just look forward to even more. Um, got two amazing young men. Um, in Jordan and Joshua. Mm. Jordan's 13 right now. Joshua just turned nine. Mm. And man, do I love seeing what the Lord's turning them into. And honestly, um, I think a lot of it's because their mom. Mm. Like she's just a fiercely godly woman. That's awesome. Who pours into them. And uh, I, I've told her this often, and I'll say it for the listening public. Um, man, who, whoever God makes them to be, she's going to be a big part of that. Yeah. However, God uses them. They're, they're both believers by God's grace. Wow. Um, so the Lord is using them. He has something for them. And, uh, and she, she might be the biggest player in that. Wow. Like yeah. I, I want to be, but I'm looking at it and just being truthful. It's like they got an amazing godly woman as their wow. mom. Man, what and a... I just love her and admire her all in the same. Wow. How blessed you are. I am, man. God, cool. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> you, I mean, you want to talk gospel. Yeah. And it's not just circumstances. I mean, we've been through hard stuff. We've yeah, um I'm sure. We've lost children. Mm. Uh my wife uh mm. my wife is diagnosed with heart or with pregnancy induced heart failure. Okay. Um after two miscarriages, we were pregnant with Joshua and right at the goal line. And we're talking like a month or month and a half before he's born. She's diagnosed with a peripartum cardiomyopathy. Okay. Uh it's it's a, it's a club you don't know how big it is until you're in it. Okay. And she's told that she's got about a 50% chance of living. Oh, my. After Joshua was born. Huh. So, and honestly, man, I think that the Lord sometimes intervenes and just gives you what you need for that. Because we, we were hit by, I, I remember um, church we were serving at the same time uh, when all this hit. It's like our, 
was on the elder board. Our fellow elders just gathered around us and prayed. I remember um, our lead pastor at the time praying certain things over Jenny that she would have a good long life continuing to pour into children mm-hmm. and that little Joshua would be running around uh, the church in a superhero costume. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's strangely uh, specific. specific, but yeah. okay. Um, well, man, we it was a weird six months after he was born. I mean, we got through the birth and everything was okay. I can't imagine how scared that must have been. It was weird. I, I remember... And good friends helped yeah. a lot. Yeah. And also I remember laying there in bed and um kind of walking through mentally. It's like what what would it mean to be a single dad of a two babies. Of a four four year old and an infant. Like what does that mean? No, no, like Lord, please. I just remember putting um putting my hands on her and asking the Lord to continue to use her and feeling a peace. Not that like, yep, it's all gonna be okay, but that he had us. He had us. And, you know, man, I, I just, a couple decades in ministry or more, and just that's the kind of stuff that it either, it it separates you or it pushes you closer together. Mm-hmm. The Lord's grace to us is it, it just pushed us even closer together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, here we are. Joshua's nine, running around a football field. It was, by the way, uh, he did come to our church, to the Harvest Party, in a superhero costume, <laughs> and I was he was four years old or something at that time. I got the picture, and I remember thinking, "Oh gosh, look at that! Yeah. Like, look at the Lord! Look at the Lord!" Wow, um, wow. And uh, Jenny's healthy, man. Yeah. Like so she, praise God. I, it's probably something that she uh, will die with, not of. Is wow. kind of how we've begun to look at it. Just the Lord, the Lord has done amazing work in her life, and um, again, you don't know how big that that club is until you're in it. But um, wow. Some some of the other moms that have that they don't they yeah. don't make it. That's I've never um, I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, it, I never had either. Yeah, um, and I think there's they're starting. There's a whole, lot of research around it. Yeah, um, but man, like that was a that was a valley in our life that can threaten a marriage. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, that puts that puts a lot of pressure on a marriage. You know, yeah, um, to say the least on both of you. Yeah, and the Lord saw us through, and we're closer because of it. So we've we've had those valleys, um, we've been there, and I wouldn't train any of them. Yeah, and I, I just told you, babe, <laughs> the Lord still has work for you to do. Yeah. So I see it. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, I'm grateful. You know, when you are um, <clears throat> you're partnered with such a a wonderful, strong, smart woman, mm-hmm. um, and I know that I am, and I know that a lot of my listeners are as well. Like, yeah, how practically speaking, what does what does being the spiritual leader of your family then look Gosh. like? Man, I pray a lot. I pray a lot. Okay. Because um, I just, I know, I know that my, my best laid plans, even for the family, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are nothing without him. Hmm. So I, uh, I pray for my wife a lot. I really do. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just, you know, rolling over in bed and like putting hands on her praying when her life was threatened. Yeah. Um, more directly, I still do that. Hmm. You ever, you ever, one of the best ways you can you can be a spiritual leader is just like man. And Jenny reminds me of this just by the way she is. Just don't lose the wonder. Hmm. Don't lose the wonder. You you ever the so, wonder the wonder of each other or the gospel or both or of God's goodness. God's goodness. Yeah. Like oh my goodness, I'm I'm saved. Do you ever still wake up? You guys have been married for a while. You ever still wake up? And it's like oh my gosh, I'm married. 
Yeah. Like, and it's not a bad thing. It's like, it's a really wonderful thing. Yeah. It's kind of like a little surprise. You know? It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. This thing you, you think about for most of your life. Yeah. You're like, oh, how good is God? Mm-hmm. Just gratitude yeah. is how you can spiritually lead your family. Hmm. Just never lose the wonder of God's gifts. And listen, man, some of us have been handed, like, some of us have just been handed some hard stuff. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you stuff you didn't know you were signing on to yeah. on that wedding day. Yeah. Um, even just sometimes, like, hey, stuff happens with kids. They they can get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. They can have something that, that is more challenging for them. Mm-hmm. Um, those challenges can come in what seems like a normal day. Yeah. Um, but if you just continue to just practice gratitude over and over in your life mm. for your family. Yeah. Um, man, I, I used to ask the Lord, so I used to ask him, Lord, can I just marry a brunette named Jenny? <laughs> you know, little little stupid eight yeah. year old seeing yeah. a seeing a movie. Yeah. Well, look at God. Yeah. I used to ask him, he's like, Lord, I would just love to have boys. Yeah. I don't have anything against girls. Yeah. It's like, in fact, I really like one especially. Yeah. But I just feel like, man, that's something God put in my heart. Now, I can't make that happen. Mm-hmm. But look at the Lord. He gave me two incredible young men that I get to be the dad of. Mm. Just gratitude, man. It'll it'll overflow in your family. Yeah. Um, that that's where I think it begins. Being yeah. a spiritual leader in your home, just lead your family in gratitude. What are your goals as a father, man? Uh, I've thought about this. You know, one of my goals is that I don't I don't want my. Let, let me start with a positive. Okay. One of my goals right now with my boys, and I came to this just very recently, mm-hmm. is that I don't want to forget what it was like to grow up. Hmm. So for Jordan, I, I don't want to forget when I'm talking with him, when I'm thinking about him, when I'm praying for him, even, even when I'm having to get on to him, I don't want to forget what it was like to be 13. Hmm. For Joshua, I don't want to forget what it was like to be nine. Like right now, I remember nine years old. Maybe you guys do or not. Yeah. But try to remember <laughs> nine years old. You know, he's in third grade. He's yeah. got fourth grade looming next year. You can already kind of start to see the turn. And even just some of the sadness and it's like, hey, the little kid stuff isn't quite what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, you can like see it not satisfying him as that's much. That's it. Yeah. He's even talked to me about it. Oh, wow. It's like, Dad, what did you do when like you just didn't enjoy playing with your action figures as much? I remember that moment. Mm. Hey, Dad, what what do you what did you do when like you just couldn't, you know, get as excited about getting Christmas presents as you used to? Hmm. And I'm kind of like, well, actually, son, that's not, that's not a bad thing. It may not be so um, bad, yeah. But I do remember those moments. Basically, the 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 kind of like joy of childhood, you know, kind of starting to to fade. And you're thinking about big kid stuff. Mm-hmm. He's seeing his brother get to go do stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, have additional responsibilities mm-hmm. like chores, mm-hmm. and just not not forgetting to remember. There's a little bit of a grief in that, and trying to point him toward the gratitude of like, but look at everything that God's got ahead of you. Like none of it's wasted. So stewarding the moment that they're in, that's yeah. a goal I've got. And I like that, that. I've got to work really hard on that. Cause I think I said earlier when I'm not gospeled, mm-hmm. I'll only look at what's not there or yeah. what's not perfect yeah. as if I'm God. And honestly, if I could do much about it, but sometimes we think we can. Yeah. My goal as a dad and a husband is just to recognize this is the goodness we have in this moment. Hmm. Um, I, I travel a lot for work, mm-hmm. and that has helped to grow some gratitude and, and s- some of that goal, because we'll just be sitting sitting at home, you know, kind of boring 
boring time Mm -hmm. or having dinner together and I'll just, I'll be struck with gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is what matters. Yeah. Don't don't be thinking about getting on the plane tomorrow. Don't be thinking about the way it was. Just be here in this moment. Yeah. That's a goal I've got as a dad. It's like, if I can be present. Yeah. Um, in the moment that God's given us. Yeah. That, that's who I want to be as a husband and a dad. Yeah. 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 I find that when I'm praying with my son, uh, you know, often before bed, it's I'm, a lot of the substance of my prayer is gratitude. You know, like I'm thankful for, mm. you know, I just tell God, thank you for where we live and for the things we got to do today and for this that happened and for that that happened and, for, you know, things like that. And not because I'm some holy person, but just because that sense of gratitude ha- washes over me when I stop and actually think about all the things yeah. that have gone right for me, Yeah, you know? And it's again, like, it's not by my own strength, my own goodness. I, I haven't earned it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate your insight in that. That's no, cool. Thank man. you, man. I, 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 this is just my stumbling forward, <laughs> you know? Likewise. I've, I've, I've gotten to this point, you know, I mean, bonus round is I've just gotten to a point probably in the last couple of years where I've begun to to not trust my own prayers as much, hmm. like the stuff that kind of comes out of me, <clears throat> right. you know, I have I have just been devotionally kind of more steered into praying Psalms more hmm. often than not now. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Some of it is a right distrust of my own flesh, right? Yeah, and my own heart recognition of your own humanity. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the human heart is sinful above all else. Who can understand it? Yeah. Well, I certainly can't, especially when it's my own one. Yeah, it's funny. Like in a lot of my my work, no matter who I'm working for, that's part of what I find myself doing yeah. is sitting with men, kind of like looking at heart motivations and stuff. Where it's like, well, sometimes that's harder to turn and do that. Absolutely. So I've just found myself praying a lot of psalms lately. You, you bring a song to mind. You were talking about music at lunch earlier. Yeah. Um, there's a band, a duo, husband and wife duo called Jenny and Tyler. Okay. I don't know if you ever know if you know who they are. You should look them up when you drive home. They have this song, an old song. I, I discovered this. Yeah, you can move it. It's okay. Uh, I discovered this song of their, well, long story short, they came and did a house concert when I was, like, as a senior, maybe I was one or two years out of college, and they really inspired me to go into music professionally. But oh, cool. They wrote this song called Please Don't Follow Your Heart. Mm. And I remember in the intro to that song, like Tyler, like said, "Hey, the heart is deceitful above all things," you know, and like the world tells you, "Hey, just follow your heart, follow your heart, follow yeah. your heart." And every time I, I yeah. even hear it, like advertising a whole lot now, like I was on YouTube, you know, you just need to follow your heart. You are the setter of your own course. And I'm like, the heart is deceitful above all things. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Know, like please don't follow your heart. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's the Doctor Phil question. Is like, well, how's that working for you? Yeah, like really? Um, yeah. Yeah, that that's defiant. Not yeah. following your heart, yeah. <laughs> recognizing your heart is sinful. That's defiant. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, that's so. Let's get into a few fun questions here to wrap up the show. What does the word defiant mean to you? Oh gosh, you've already uh, said this kind of, but I want to hear. What yeah, I think say. it. I think it looks like my measure for success is going to be different. Um, one of your songs. Okay. You're gonna to have to remind me which one. Oh yeah. But it says I'm you know, I may not. I may not be a millionaire on the beach or billionaire on the beach. Yeah. And I just thought, man, that 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 struck me as I listened to that because I went, yeah, that's probably I'm not going to be that. But yeah. that is what the world says is successful. Yeah. And even sometimes when I forget the gospel, I think that will somehow say success and that'll be wonderful. It's like like I wouldn't get bored with that. Yeah. That's a lot to manage, you know. I just start, you know, well, <laughs> practical. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I think it's defiant to say no. I want to give my life away. 
Um, I want to give my life away for Jenny. Mm-hmm. I want to give it away for Jordan and Joshua. I want to give it away for the people of this church that I'm serving. I want to give it away for the men that are in Beta Upsilon Chi because I want them to have this gift mm-hmm. of brotherhood and unity with one another, mm-hmm. um, to be equipped to be um, godly Christian men who are investing in churches, mm-hmm. who are raising families, who are who are being a light in all kinds of workplaces. Yeah. Like that, I think that's defiant. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I, str- I fight to be defiant that way because in my flesh I'm not. I yeah. just want to give in. Yeah. It's like I need him. Yeah. So I think defiance looks like, man, just in the morning when my eyes open up, I think it's defiant to say, Spirit, I need you. Like, I can't. Hmm. I just, I, like, sometimes I don't even want to get out of it. I'm a pretty early riser, so I I, tend, mm-hmm. I like getting up. But, and I think this is this is God's spirit in me prompting me to pray that the minute, the minute I'm kind of cognizant in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even when I'm not. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't come up with that. Yeah. But I, I need him. It's just starting every day with, I need you. Hmm. I can't do it without you. I think that's really defiant. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, thank you for the shout out on my song, by the way. Um, song, the song is called You Will Never Be Alone. That's, I think that's my yeah. favorite one, man. Thanks, man. It, thank just, you so uh, much. I told you at lunch, and I'll, I'll say it for your listeners. There is a, there's a gratitude in your music hmm. that, that I'm thankful for. Hmm. There's a thankfulness. There's um, um, That means a lot. You're the only person I think has ever said that. Well, it's there. Yeah. So thank you. whether someone else articulated or not, I think that that's what we, as listeners to to your art and how the Lord's pouring Himself out through you. I mean, even just your your love songs are great, man. Mm, thanks, like man. they do. Like it, there's such a gratitude yeah. for God's gift to you of your wife. Mm. That inspires me to have gratitude <laughs> for the gift of Jenny. It, it just yeah. it works that way. Yeah. Like so, thanks for your honesty in ministry. Yeah. Because it, it does make a difference. And mm-hmm. like I told you, I've been getting musically bored. <laughs> and Andrew Sullivan helped me not be bored anymore. Well, you're very kind. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you real quick. I know that you're a pastor, and so you read a lot. What's a book other than the Bible that has significantly shaped uh, your, your personal theology, your spiritual growth? Can I name my favorite books of the Bible and the <laughs> yeah. other one? Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you see me in the Bible, um, there's probably about a 75% chance I'm in... First uh, and Second Samuel. I can't get out of that Interesting. story. Oh, oh, the David story, man. Like I, yeah, you referenced it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't get out of it. I just can't. Like those, that's my Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the that's, David story is really fascinating. Honestly, oh, yes. Um, the the fact like, a his story, but then his his works. You know, like the Psalms, like also yes are there. Yep, they're included. They're in yeah. there. Um, so I. That's just going to be. That's one of the books of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get out of the David story there mm-hmm. in first, second, first and second Samuel, and then well, actually, lops on over into Kings. And like you said, it's like well, you get a lot of other Bible in that too with the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm in Proverbs a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, Proverbs is really meant to be something that you carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's it's not just like random. I sayings. probably read Proverbs more than any other book. Oh, Proverbs yeah. and Psalms. Well, man, yeah. Did, so it's meant to mirror the lifespan. Yeah. Chapters one through nine are meant to be when you're like, you're that boy in your 
in your dad's home. Yeah. And he's giving you black and white yeah. guidance. Hey, stay away from Lady Folly, pursue Lady Wisdom. It's that clear. Very yeah. poetic. Yeah. Then once you get out of the house in chapters 10 through about 26, mm-hmm. that's when it starts feeling random. And mm-hmm. I've got like 20 wisdom decisions to make today. That's why Proverbs is collected the way it is. Yeah, that's interesting. It's meant to mirror uh, really the young man or the young leader's journey. Wow. From you're in a home, yeah. receiving this instruction from your parents. Oh, now you're out on your own. Yeah. And you've got to face this seemingly random stuff. Then in 20, 25 through 29, it's actually Hezekiah collecting a bunch of Proverbs of Solomon. Mm. And what was Hezekiah doing? But he was having to lead religious reform in the kingdom, like get us back to God. So these are the Proverbs, 25 through 29, that he hand-selected. So I go to those a lot when I got a leadership decision. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Lord, I, I feel kind of like a Hezekiah right now. Mm. I got to lead this organization, or I got to lead you know, these people. I've got a sticky decision to make. I'll pray Proverbs a lot. I love it, yeah. <laughs> um, Gospel of Mark is probably my favorite. I just I love I love Mark's journalism. Yeah, um, I love I love how Jesus honestly takes on a lot of demons. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not I'm not a demon behind every corner kind of guy. Yeah, but I love how Mark is just unabashedly real with this is a spiritual world. Yeah, and look who's king of it. Yeah, it's like I think we would do well to. Just remember that a little more. Mm. And then I love Ephesians. Uh, it's just, it, it's become just one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, I talk about it way too much in church. <laughs> and then um, John's letters. Uh, yeah. Man, when I'm feeling particularly sinful mm. or unloved, man, I, I just go listen to Grandpa John. He, <laughs> he tells me how much God loves me yeah. and how much my sins are forgiven. Yeah, um, love that. Love other parts of the Bible too. Of I mean, course. I can I can geek out on Ezekiel if we wanted to, <laughs> but outside of that, yeah. I would say, um, Christian book wise, Bonhoeffer's Life Together okay. is a major one for me. Eugene Peterson's Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is I didn't even figure this out, but it's all the Psalms of Ascent. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so he's, that's him walking through those. Um, you know, other ones would be Francis Shaver's The Mark of a Christian. Mm-hmm. Very little book. I mean, you could read it in under an hour. Oh, wow. Really, all, all of Francis Schaeffer and all of Eugene Peterson. I like Francis been, Schaeffer a lot. Yeah. yeah. They, they have so invaded my thought processes. If I'm saying something that sounds halfway intelligent, it's probably from them. Yeah. Um, but then, honestly, I get a lot of, I get a lot of uh, insight and, and even just uh, ministry from a lot of fiction. Mm-hmm. That's maybe not given over to God, but mm-hmm. it's got a truth of a human. Yeah, uh, it's got human truth in it. Yeah, um, one of my favorite novels is Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. Okay, so I need I know you, Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, yeah, this is the one that I would recommend to any man. Okay, so if you're just saying like, ah, man, I just really don't like fiction. Yeah, one, I get that, but give it a shot. It is the Spartans and the Battle of Thermopylae. Okay. The way it should be. Get the <laughs> Zack Snyder 300 movie out of your mind. Okay. Um, this is what you want. Hmm. It has got brotherhood. It has got battle. It hmm. has got honor. It has got sacrifice. Incredible novel. Hmm. It really is. And one I'm reading right now is becoming a favorite of mine. It's by a guy named uh, Paul Astaire. He's won some writing awards. But the the name of the novel is 4321. Okay. And it's just the numbers, four, mm-hmm. three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And it takes a look at a young boy's life growing up in the 50s. His name's Archie. 
but it looks at four different ways his life could have gone. It's not a sci-fi thing. It's yeah. really just like, hey, if your dad had had this big business uh, you know, blow up at this point, what would your life have been like? You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of Archie one. Mm-hmm. Well, Archie two didn't experience that. Dad mm-hmm. actually lost the business. Archie three, um, dad died. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not always focused on dad. It's just different mm-hmm. stuff. But man, yeah. I have I, I have not found a book that had such incredible insight into what it's like to grow up as a boy, mm. and it's uh, it's really really profound. In fact, uh, there have been deaths and movements in that book yeah. that have emotionally affected me. My <laughs> wife will be like, "Are you okay? You don't seem okay." And I was like. Oh, I'm sorry. Like Archie just lost his best friend at camp. Uh. You know, <laughs> it's just, um, yeah. so I've just I've loved. I moving, love works of literature that, that, book. that though, yeah. yeah, and it, and it's yeah. a work of literature. It is not. Yeah. It is not a fast read. Yeah. It is. It's a dense 800. Oh boy, page novel. Yeah, You're moving across four timeline. You know, yeah. not timelines, but four lifelines with Archie. It's like a modern Tolstoy. Um, <laughs> man, it really is. And yeah, just much more enjoyable to read. I tried War and Peace, maybe. Russian literature is hard. It's tough. I really I've tried it like five times. Yeah. I get bored. Yeah. So, man, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could keep going on. Yeah. Um, but those are some of the ones that have uh, that have really captured my imagination. Oh, Band of Brothers. I have to mention Band of Brothers because I'm finding out Gen Z doesn't know about it. That's fascinating. Like that, that's not a story that a lot of college guys know about right now. Wow. Yeah. Because when I was in college, like everybody that's knew that it. story. That's yeah. it. You, we, we had the book. We had the miniseries. Yeah. Most guys watch the miniseries. Yeah. Um, but the book is just as good. Hmm. But man, I, like that's just a lot of my vocabulary too. Is that story of Easy Company? Mm. Um, thankfully, my wife likes it a lot too. Now you've seen so. It's a Wonderful Life, the movie. When you were just talking about when you were oh. talking about four, three, two, one, that's what came to my mind. Was well, bro, that is my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you did your research. No, but, uh, no, that I is. Didn't. Like I've got a, a giant movie poster of It's a Wonderful Life in my study. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Gosh, again, eight years old, that was a big year for me. Uh-huh. I remember seeing on TV this black and white movie that my yeah. mom said, oh, it's really good. And I remember being entranced by it. Like what, what Frank Capra's doing in that movie is just world building. Mm-hmm. Um, 4321 is a lot like that. Think yeah, kind of it that. seems like there's some overlap in that. Very much, yeah. very much so. Um, but no, Jimmy Stewart's my favorite actor because of It's a Wonderful Life. I love his other work too. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, th- there's this drawl that I have that I'm kind of wishing I could get rid of when I listen to myself. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, that's all those the Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart, Stewart voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, yeah, I, in fact, my wife says when you get tired, you start sounding like, well, you sound like Jimmy Stewart now. Um, <laughs> I'm cracking up. I but, love his voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful life is a, I mean, that's, that's my favorite movie. Yeah. I, I, I even, I don't watch it sometimes at Christmas. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to save it for next year. Yeah, save it, make like, it sweeter. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, you can't overdose I really too do. much. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for catching that one. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. That was just totally incidental. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, a, what's a controversial opinion you may have about a certain food dish? Uh, my friend Jeff Jameson, our friend Jeff, he, he, for example, revealed to me on the very first interview of this show that he thinks chocolate is disgusting, and I think that's crazy talk. Huh. Surely you have something similar. You know, I have I have one. It was controversial. Some may think it's controversial, but I I have since recanted. Oh, okay, well, um, lay it on me. I used to not like guacamole. Okay. I used to think like, oh, I don't I don't like that. You know how it's, it, it was a texture thing. You know, yeah. some people don't like bananas. It's uh-huh. it's a texture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a texture thing with me. Mm-hmm. So uh, to circle all this back around mm-hmm. until a good brother and friend <laughs> challenged me on it. Okay. 
and introduced me to great guacamole. Okay, did he make it or take it? Where is it from? Two things. Yeah. Uh, he made it, okay. and it still might be my favorite. So, so one thing that uh, he and another friend of ours do at least every two years, if not every year, we pull away for kind of a reset retreat, mm-hmm. and we'll just go go get a cabin or a hotel mm-hmm. or something. And it, it's the three of us. Yeah, we're resting. We're spending time with the Lord and each and each other. Mm-hmm. It's like there's just, it. there's a brotherhood there, and we pour into each other. I love that. Um, but he made some guac on this retreat that was life changing. Mm-hmm. So that was my controversial food opinion. Mm-hmm. I love good guacamole now. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. Absolutely. There's a spectrum, you Absolutely. know, for any like non-Texans or whatever. You know, I don't know if they, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I, I mean, I, I felt like an outcast my entire life because <laughs> I, don't, I don't love this mm-hmm. um, or would even try it. The Tex-Mex place that we used to go to when I was a little kid, uh, when I lived inside of Houston proper, um, Oh, they made it great. It was fresh, and they had mm. just the right blend of lettuce in there, and a little bit of season, like a little bit of seasoning, yeah. like maybe yep. just salt and peppers. All well, I don't know. It was in, maybe a touch of lemon juice. Like it was That's something. It's it just right. Simple's better. Oh, simple's very better. few ingredients. It was so yeah. good. And and which avocados you use makes a difference. You yep. know, depending on how green or how black they are. But then, like I remember, like going to Astro World and getting nachos there, and like Astro a little, World. little scoop yes. of you know guacamole <laughs> they gave me there. I was like. This is disgusting. It, because it was. Oh, it was. Yeah, bad. You know? I, I won't even. I won't even get Chipotle guacamole. Yeah, it's like unless unless I'm getting it from. I'm not blown uh, away by theirs. Yeah, honestly. a place called Media, uh-huh. which is a I think it's a Mexican chain yeah. restaurant. We've got one in Flower Mound. Okay, um, never heard of it. Or unless Justin Elifrost makes it. Okay, I, I, I don't. That's have guacamole. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't love the Chipotle one. It's got too many onions. Way too. It's got big old purple onions in it. And I, it, I don't want to ruin it for myself, so I won't even try. Yeah, it. don't like look at look at me. You're not missing yeah, much. So. You're not missing much. You know, if, if they like made it on site, I just hey, yeah. leave the onions out. So I went from not eating it to just being a full on snob. That's great. Yeah, sanctification. Yeah, yeah. and and again, like it was a good brother saying like, no, this is not right. You you're a little yeah. off on this one. That's I want I want to help you because I love you. Let me put you on the right and course. Thank here, God. Brother. Thank God he loved me. Yeah. <laughs> Last question, uh, the duck question. Mm. I'm going to put you into a fight to the death. Um, and if you win, you'll receive great fame and fortune, which uh, you certainly care about, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, I will. The, the rules of this fight are that you're barehanded and that uh, you're, the arena you're going to be fighting in is roughly the size of an enclosed football field, so you can't just run away oh, in- infinitely. Okay. Okay? Okay. Yeah. You have to face your opponent. Like specific. specific. Um, would you rather take on a single horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Easy answer. I would take the horse-sized duck. Okay. Uh, I do not want a um, heavily armed mobile force coming <laughs> at me, basically a stationary target. Okay. Uh, so, so, I'm just, so you're not running the 40 for us after this? No, no. Um, Although I would take on the, did you say a horse sized duck? Uh huh. Okay. Um, there's a there's a little David and Goliath strategy Absolutely. to this. Okay. You know, um, it's like I can be a little more mobile. I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that horse sized duck has pressure points, and they can be exploited. <laughs> and since I'm smaller and yeah. more and more agile, the pressure points got me. I should be able. To find those pressure points and I take them so. down systematically. I like it. Yeah. I told somebody else who said the the horse sized duck. The thing that freaks me out about those is oh, it'd be frightening. Is that, the, that would, that would be, be absolutely frightening. Is, but is the neck, the neck? Because you got to think ducks, duck sized ducks. They don't have hands. 
they can peck any feather on every inch of their body. Yeah, yeah, the beak would be da- dangerous. Yeah. So there's nowhere that you can go that their beak cannot reach you. That's the only thing mm. that scares me. Mm. But with the other ones, you've got a hundred of those. You've got a hundred. Yeah, that's a significant. I mean, I, I, yeah, is it is it uh, is it Jurassic Park three? With the little, the little, oh, comedy, yeah. like they, they just, you the know, they kind of, on the beach. yeah, they yeah. just like, that's, that's what I remember from that, from that one. And, uh, that's what I, I don't want. Um, well, if you, you I always know. thought too, on that one, if you fall and they overwhelm me, they all just run over so you. I question, mean, they still got can, horseshoes on. Can the giant duck see me if I don't move? I don't know. Is it's it the a T-Rex duck? Thing? I don't know how good of a duck's vision is. It's a duck. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to have to take it out at the knees. Um, and start start to work from there. Nice. I'm barehanded though, right? Yes. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking on the important. I pray we here never have to find out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jared, thank you so much for taking so much time to <laughs> driving all the way down here to answer silly questions and a lot of good ones I love too. It, man. Uh, really so enjoyed our time, person. man. I have to have you back on. Thank you, Andrew. Man, what an interview, huh? Uh, Jared Musgrove, heck of a guy. So much wisdom. So much life uh, experience. So many great perspectives to share. Uh, If you have any feedback about this show, I'd really love to hear from you. Uh, Please send me a message straight from the homepage at DefiantDad.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe. And if you like the show, I would sincerely love it if you would share it with a friend and consider leaving me a five-star review. It's a really easy way to uh, boost the visibility of the show so that more dads like you and I can hear the wonderful, life-changing message of the gospel. Hey, if you're on Instagram... Uh, like I am, I'd love to have your follow. The name there is The Defiant Dad. Uh, this is The Defiant Dad Podcast. My name is Andrew Sullivan, and I will catch you next Monday. Thank you so much for listening.